If talking about new travel destinations or discovering the latest travel gadgets gets your heart racing just like mine, well then, you are in the right place. Hello there, I'm Katrina Rountree and welcome to another episode of Journeys to Come, our podcast about the wonders of travel, a place where we share memories from recent trips and we dream about upcoming adventures. So get your passports ready and join me for Journeys to Come. Well, I know that size doesn't count, but I gotta tell you, I was pretty darn excited to go behind the scenes and chat to those in charge of one of the world's biggest cruise ships, Royal Caribbean's Voyager of the Seas. It is taller than the Eiffel Tower, so naturally I asked, Captain Pear, how do you actually park this baby? Find out in our chat and then join me as we meet the ice captain who's in charge of the onboard ice skating rink and all of its glorious shows, as well as the world's first on-board meteorologist. He is in charge of the entire fleet's weather guidance. Well, I hope you enjoy our cruise together. I'll be bringing you some more conversations from cruise ships over the coming weeks as I continue my research for a brand new book that I'm writing about the best of world cruising. All right, pull up a deck chair and join me for our chat with Captain Pear. We are on board one of the big ships in the world a ship that is higher than the Eiffel Tower, that, I have checked my facts, can fit 30,000 elephants quite comfortably side by side. How on earth do you park this, or dock, shall I say? Honestly, um, I think it is uh, a matter of uh, spending uh, years uh, on board uh, the ships and uh, learning the trades from the beginning. And uh, you just, as you learn how to car, a uh, bus, uh, anything else in transportation, you have from the beginning and learn the ropes. Why are any of the world's top ship captains? Why from Scandinavia? What is going on? I guess uh, we have the uh, the seas uh, all around us. We have uh, around uh, the Norwegian coast, the Swedish, the Danish coast. It's all around, the, surrounded by the sea and uh, ocean. So uh, I guess it starts there. It's almost in your DNA. What are the great challenges of, of being the captain on a, a ship of this size? It's hard to say the, the real challenges. It is also like you, you learn and you, you try and adapt into a system where you start from a, a lower position and you learn your way up uh, as until you get the command of a vessel. You start to learn and when you are capable and other people think you are capable of commanding us, you get the opportunity. So. Who are the sort of guests that a ship size would appeal to? Anyone. We are a family cruise line from very, very young age to, yes, you, when you get older. We should have any of our ships here in Royal Caribbean. But this is a sort of ship a lot of people would be quite happy to never leave the ship. It has its own postcode. It is so massive. You're absolutely there. And uh, as I said, you know, for me personally, my, uh, the greatest destination is the ship. The ship is station for me, as well as many of our guests. So I can't really do what is your favourite journey. You spend your time around the world, but but for you, it's it's actually on board and wherever this takes you. Yeah, you're all right. Uh, but uh, I would say I have been here now in the Pacific for uh, one and a half, and it is a it's a great area to be in. Definitely, Pacific, even if I have others places too that it's worth and on board a cruise ship. But the Pacific is excellent too. What does it mean for a port when when this amount of people dock? What I mean, what can it do to a local economy? 
I think it can do a lot, definitely. And uh, as much as uh, if we um, can make sure that we control our environmental factors and we take care of our part, sure they can do great for the businesses around, especially out on smaller islands, smaller nations, etc. for us. But it's a kind of a full thing that we need to both take care of the ass as well as uh, we can give uh, the guests uh, a good uh, place to go. And, and what are your responsibilities environmentally uh, of, uh, of a ship this size? They are immense and huge, mm. I can say. And uh, on a ship like this, we have many, many waste streams. And that is uh, one of the most important things to take care of. And that is uh, all the environmental factors and aspects of the, of the cruise industry. And especially for and we are always trying to be way above and beyond. And we are, mm. guaranteed. Pierre, I'm just curious. What are you away from home for? How does this work for you on a personal level? We are, uh, I am around 10 weeks on board and 10 weeks home. Give it or take uh, a week here, a week there, or here and there. When you're on board, uh, you spend your time and you work. So that's, uh, that's actually good. What are the journeys that you look forward to coming up for Royal Caribbean? For, uh, for us on board the Voyager, uh, for sure now, uh, we have only a few more hours in Sydney and then we are heading up on the coast, uh, doing a great cruise over Brisbane and Early Beach, Yorker Snob, uh, to Darwin, and then we are repositioning up to Singapore, mm -hmm. where we will be now for a good uh, 18 months. Do you get excited about, about going on shore about about the the food that you'll eat do you, do you do you get excited about shopping or how do you relax you know uh, the um the, i think the the most exciting is that a change is always good for me mm. you know so and i have to say we have a fantastic itinerary and have on the voyager that we spend half of the year here in australia and then half of the year in asia and that is uh, others for uh, if there is any big excitements, I'm not a big shopper, so to say. I have to Unlike be me. Mm. <laughs> so you can find ways to relax. Oh yeah, I do. I do. If somebody dreamt of having your job, where would they start? Where would they go? That's a good question. I would say uh, you either start and work uh, on smaller ships or ships or uh, navigational schools or technical schools. And then you, you start and you come out to us and uh, you start working in the, in the lower positions and uh, go your way through if you really enjoy and like it. What's your advice to someone that is thinking about coming on board one of, one of the world's largest cruise ships? It's not for everyone. Some people are intimidated. Some people think they might get lost on board. What's your advice to those who are, who are thinking about it? You need to start, you need to come on board and you need to see the product here and uh, it is a, a great product that we have and uh, a great way to travel and enjoy themselves and see things and be around and always feel safe. I guess that's the, one of the most important things that when you are on board the ship, you should feel safe because you are safe. You spend your life traveling. What do you always pack? Is there one thing that you always throw into the suitcase? 
I would say that's got to be my toiletries. They need to come in there. <laughs> Normal, basic, basic, yeah, toothpaste, soap. These needs to come in, that's for sure. And for a guest coming on board, what do you recommend they always pack with them? Well, it depends where you are, but uh, in these areas, a, a pair of shorts and swim trunks and uh, flip-flops and a T-shirt, uh, that was uh, make it. And last Yes, yes, yes. Other sometimes, if you're up in the northern hemisphere and or, or really south here, you need probably some jackets and shoes and boots uh, with you. What do you think the future is for for these sort of ships? How big can they get? Well, that's a good question. Uh, I think uh, as a ship itself can get very, very big, but. Uh, the compromises or the challenges we have is the port infrastructures. Mm. Definitely, we need to have places to go. The key is not to build extremely big ships because we can, but then we have nowhere to go with them. So it's always a give and take there. We are planning, but the port infrastructure is the sets the limitations today for the cruise ships. I'm on board Voyager of the Seas today. What's the one thing I've got to do? Well, uh, you go down and see the ice show, definitely. Or uh, just enjoy a few hours around the pool deck, on the pool deck. And, uh, yeah, have a drink with us here on board Royal. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with us. I know that you have a really busy day. Thank you. It's wonderful to meet you. Pleasure having you all here. Thank you very much. Want more travel in your day? Well, then. Join us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Just search for Journeys to Come and follow us. And while you're there, hey, how about you share your own travel pics and stories with the hashtag Journeys to Come. Well, Michael, I've spoken to the ship captain earlier today. Now I have the ice captain on board. Could you please explain to us what your job entails? Sure. Well, the um, number one job that I do is to keep the show's integrity. Um, I supervise and look after the ice cast, uh, do their scheduling, um, and sort of take care of all the HR side of the ice cast. But I do um, make sure the show keeps looking good on a regular basis. So I do give notes. Um, if anyone's out or injured in the show, I'll create a reblock so the show can still go on. Um, and uh, really sort of look after a few other things here and there, sort of managerial work, a uh, bit of office work, um, which is something that you don't normally have in this position on a, a different uh, show per mm -hmm. se because we're on a ship so we do have a lot of more a lot more HR side to it than you would if you were on a touring uh, company on land or another stationary land tour because you're just uh, your work is in the venue or on the ice and then once you leave that's sort of it but whereas here it's an interesting it's an interesting situation because we actually do our like once we finish our job, we're still working, right? We're still in the public side, so we're still talking to guests. We're still working with guests or working in other um, events uh, around uh, the ship. Mm -hmm. um, for example, like uh, our shows, we have uh, you know we have a lot of quick, a lot of quick changes. Um, so we have dressers that dress backstage, and uh, we have spotlighters, and they are the production cast. So the dancers that put on the theater show work our shows backstage, and then. When they do their shows, we work their shows. We spotlight their shows, and also we uh, dress and change them. So it's little things like that. So it's I, it's not um, a nine-to-five job. I know this is your world, day in, day out. I have never been on a ship where they have an ice rink 
an ice rink on a cruise ship. Why on earth do we need an ice rink on a cruise ship? Well, if you see the shows, you'll know why not. Because um, I don't want to brag here, but I do think it's one of uh, uh, the most exciting things to have on a ship, is to have an ice rink, uh, have an ice rink and an ice show. I mean, it's hard enough to find an ice show as it is nowadays because it is one of those dying arts. So it's, you know, there used to be the ice capades or there's um, you know, the holiday nices. All these sort of big productions that were really big in the 60s, 70s, and 80s aren't around anymore, at least a lot of, uh, with professional or amateur skaters. Um, and now not only do we have it coming live, um, but now we have 12 ships with ice rinks and full-fledged productions. And we have you know, former Olympians, world champions, world medalists, national champions, international champions in these shows. So there's no lack of, lack of quality in the show. Mm. And the shows just keep getting better. And it's, it's really amazing. So, I mean, the fact that um, an ice rink on a ship is, it's not just a novelty. No, it's just it's something that people cruise with us for. You know, I mean, it's a draw card. Absolutely. I mean, who who can say they've gone ice skating in the middle of the Atlantic or the Pacific or the Caribbean? With the rink itself, can anyone have a go at the rink, or is it just for shows? Anyone can have a go. Oh. So we have uh, what we call all skate sessions. Uh, these are public skating sessions, and uh, we allow forty people per session, and they're thirty minute sessions. And as long as they sign a waiver form, <laughs> they're allowed to skate. And obviously, with children, you know, we do uh, you know encourage parents to skate with them. But yeah, we do get a lot of people, and it's always busy, and it's um, it's a show in itself to sit and watch the all skate sessions. I, I just can't get my head around it. We're, we're we're cruising to the South Pacific, and yet here we are ice skating within the ship. I suppose it touches on something that is a whole other ball game in regards to ships this size, and that is onboard entertainment. How huge is that market? Well, I think it's something that people, you know, cruise for. I mean, I think that. Entertainment is will always be alive and well. You know, I mean, it's something that I think my I learned from my coaches as well as my parents. I mean, obviously, find something that you love. You know, do what you love. But not only that, I mean, this industry people will always want to watch people move. People will always want to be entertained, and it's something as special as figure skating, because, it, um, and with all due respect, when people watch singing and dancing and acting, sometimes a lot of people think that oh, I can do that. You know, so I. I just think that that's not really fair because it is such a special craft to do yes. that. But when people watch a figure skating show, no one thinks, uh, I can do that. <laughs> you know, it's, it's so, you it, that's pretty cool, I you think. And that's one thing, I mean, I do like to say that about that, uh, that about our job is that we have that like, that factor where it really makes mm. it interesting. And um, as for entertainment on board, I mean, with Royal Caribbean being the only ship that has ice shows, that's something that we can always say. You can go to any ship, and they have wonderful production shows, wonderful theater shows, and you know. But we have amazing ice shows with top quality skaters that really have amazing resumes and a fantastic show. And on this ship, we have two different shows. Michael, I know that there are some people listening to this where you have their dream job. I know that in general there are a lot of people out there that would love a gig on board a cruise ship in the uh, the entertaining realm. How did life bring you here? Well, I competed at uh, the national and international level uh, until about 2011. Um, sometimes uh, I personally, I was just tired of competing, you know, the politics, um, you know, the pressure and all this kind of stuff. Sometimes it just eats up at you and I I, have n I had no problem saying, you know what, this, this just isn't for me. I, I took a year off of skating and 
I, funny story, I mean, I moved away from home when I was 12 without my family. I left my family up, up in Minnesota in the north of the States. I moved down to Florida to train. It was a great facility, great coaches. So that was the atmosphere I wanted to be around to train at, the, at a high level. And so that year off, I was, you know, working full time and I had an apartment. I had a dog. It was great, but it was uh, not what I sort of sacrificed my childhood for. And, uh, you know, shows are a common thing in, in skating and some people in skating that are still competing or doing this and doing that. They're just like, oh, well, I'm not, you know, if you're doing shows, you're just not good enough. And so, well, watch a show and then, you know, see what you think after that. Um, so I knew a couple of uh, my former coaches that uh, knew people that were looking for someone of my stature, someone of my skating ability for a show in uh, Germany. So I said, it's only two months. Why not? Try it out. You know, what's what's there to lose? Two months later, I said, this is what I have to be doing. So really? I said, I'm, I said, I'm sorry, guys. I went to the restaurant. I said, I can't. I said, I'm moving on in about six months. But until my lease was up, I packed my bags, drove back home to Minnesota, left all my stuff there, and I said, I am off. This is what I'm doing. Why, so, Michael? How does it make you feel? It's the best thing in the world. I mean, I've always loved entertaining and performing. You know, I really have. I think that, uh, I mean, seeing people the audience's reaction, seeing them stand up, seeing them clap is the best thing. And it's funny because, I mean, when I wasn't skating, I was working in a restaurant. And that, to me, is still a form of entertainment. But <laughs> it is. I'm, it really is. A, totally. It absolutely is. You, you put on your face and you go you go to work and, you know, especially in the States. Um, but here, I've been doing this for 20 years. I mean, I, 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 do, I love it. And it's something I've always wanted to continue in skating. Even if I couldn't skate anymore, I would still want to be part of the sport. Um, I would have always thought of giving back to the sport in a certain way. And I mean, learning about, you know, uh, production shows on ice is just one of another, another stop and something else I want to do. And what is your life like, Michael, living on board? How many months are you on board for? Well, skaters contracts usually run from about four and a half to seven months on board. It's dependent on uh, the length of cruises. Um, and I say that as in like uh, right now we're currently in maybe eight to 11 day cruises. So that's, we have about, uh, we have eight shows a cruise. So that's um, some time off, but it's it's pretty busy. So we're about six and a half months. But when we actually get to Asia, as we're now relocating to Singapore, there's three and four day cruises. Okay, and sampler cruises. Four shows a cruise. Oh. So you're looking at, instead of eight shows in 11 days, like I've just finished, we're doing eight shows in seven days. So the, um, the longer the contract, the more prone skaters are to, you know, are to get injured. So I was just going to ask that. What happens if you get injured? Well, um, when we learn the show, we have um, uh, an understudy uh, for every solo. So if, if I'm out, I have an understudy, and that person would then do their solo as well as um, my solo. And then my job, uh, being the ice camp captain would be to reblock the show so it still looks good so fill in some holes fill in some mm -hmm. gaps rearrange uh, some of the uh, numbers so it looks like no one's there so mm -hmm. but again, then again if you have someone pulling double duty then they're of course going to be more prone to getting injured so our producer and director have really worked it out that it's uh, the contracts are in our best interests for our body and of course, of course. theirs as well so do you take vitamins i do i have uh, my uh, people make People make fun of me. I have like the oh no, oh, I the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, the day of the week with my pills. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's your job. I mean, you you yeah. cannot risk your health in any shape or form. You couldn't come down with a with a cold. And I'm I'm just wondering, you're you're working in an ice rink. You're you're going in and out of air conditioning. These are all classic ways that you you come down with serious colds. But you just couldn't afford the time off. No, and um, 
we've just spent so much time. I mean, our bodies are temple. Right? Without mm-hmm. a healthy body, my, I can't do anything. So that's the first thing we look after is our bodies. And we all are very um, keen on making sure we're in the gym. We're taking uh, yoga classes, da- dance classes, uh, sauna, steam room, and stretching. And, you know, just for I – mean, we're, we're, that's the majority of the work we're doing um, besides skating. Just like a normal dancer um, or performer. But um, would you be doing those things on board? Is that the beauty of having a gig on board a ship like this, is that you've got those beautiful spas, you've got those fitness rooms all around you? Yeah, that's one of the things that's really, really um, nice and, of course, convenient. You know, we have a- access to the gym. We have access to the crew, the crew and the guest gym. And after a certain time, we're allowed to go into the sauna steam room, you know, to, to keep our bodies healthy. Um, everything's here, you know, and that's really that's really great. Um, uh it's it's a win-win overall. I mean, if, and again, it can get tiresome living on a ship. Let's be clear. Of course, I'm mean, not going to lie to you. It's, it's you know, it's, we're on. We can be on board four days straight, or if I can't get off the ship, it's maybe five or six days straight, and it's it can be tiring. You literally get cabin fever. You can, but you know, we find ways. Of course, there's outer decks we try and spend some time on, and if you want to go for a glass of wine outside, just to get some fresh air, or you know, you know, go up to the pool deck if it's you know, it's re- relatively empty, and just get some fresh air. That's of course too, and it's each person finds their own way. This life isn't for everybody, but mm. if um, if you can handle it, it's. If you're my age and you're at the stage of your life where this is an option, it's certainly not a bad one. What are the challenges of ice skating on board a ship? Well, our ice rink on a ship um, is quite small. Uh, you're looking at 40 by 60 feet. I couldn't tell you right away out in meters. But, um, of course, the rockiness. And it's very funny because we're, um, we're just finishing up cyclone season. So we've had to miss a few ports. But um, Thank God. Yes, but you know, we were – we can get – pretty rocky we, we haven't had to cancel a show because where they've where they've actually put studio b is the uh, most level place on the ship but that doesn't stop it from getting rocky i am not laughing but it's a little bit funny i'm thinking uh, how do you prepare your your mid jump and and you feel the rock i mean what, what do you do uh, prepare for the worst and just hope for the best. I mean, really, uh, it's uh, I mean, it's just the way it goes sometimes. We'll all be there and just maybe a uniformed lion and then it'll rock and we'll all just uh, roll, uh, be glide backwards, uh, you know, a meter just because <laughs> so it's rocky. I don't know why I'm laughing, but I would imagine, like, the challenges of your job. Yes, it's, so it, it's, it's crazy. I mean, all of a sudden we'll gain speed or we'll just stop to a standstill. And it's, I mean, it may not feel rocky, but on the ice it's very noticeable. Uh, but it's fun, though. I mean, when it gets like that, it's almost... we. I mean, it's almost comical, right? Yes. Like we have to have fun with it because, like, look what, what, what look at us. We're dressed in velvet with sparkles all over, a bit of eyeliner on, and I'm like rolling around on the ship and <laughs> figure skates on. I mean, come on, it's we we have a good time. That's for sure. Michael, you spend your life traveling the world with with Royal Caribbean. I have to ask, do you do you have a favorite journey? Well, this run I've actually been doing out of Sydney. I've done for the past nine months. I was on the Explorer of the Seas out of Sydney for uh, from January to April, and then I've been out of uh, Sydney from October 2017 till today, uh, April 16th. And um, this Sydney is amazing. Sydney is beautiful. To say I've been to Fiji, to say I've I've seen some of these islands I would never even i heard about or would have ever gone to, are amazing. I. After I left Sydney, we crossed over and we went to uh, we went to Hawaii. Then we were out of Seattle, and I did that um, Alaska run, mm-hmm. which is something I don't know. I'm I'm American, but I don't know if I would ever think about going to Alaska. You know, I just on a vacation, and it was it was absolutely stunning. 
Um, I would love to do the Mediterranean, the Caribbean. It's hard to say. I mean, so th this is why you've been doing the job for 20 years. Right. I mean, it's uh, how can how can I say, uh, you know, I was like, oh, I don't want to. We were spoiled, right? I'm like, I don't want to go to the beach today. I'm just, you know, I'll just stay on board and just go to the gym instead. Like, you can get, you get tired of the beach. How can you imagine that? What do you always pack? Let's see. I always pack um, vitamins, of course. Um, I I really love hard like books, but I've had to stop because obviously packing. But I so I always bring my iPad to, just so I can read. Um, let's see. Have you got a Kindle? I don't. I have. I just have my iPad. That's great. My books. Yeah. Um, I will buy the uh, books though, and we have like a um, a crew sort of like mini library. Okay. So I'll just sign it and leave it in there, and hope someone finds it. Um, I mean, you know, I can't live without my skates. <laughs> if, if I had my skates and my passport, I would be fine for the rest of my life. What's your advice to people thinking about coming on board? Do you book your entertainment straight away? Do you do you book your your, your time at the salon? What, what's the, what's the the best way to milk everything you can for being a guest here? Well, what's amazing about Royal Caribbean is that we have um, entertainment every day, and nothing requires booking unless you're on sort of an Oasis-class ship, a bigger ship, but. They, there's, they do, we do enough shows that you'll be able to see every single one of them if you wanted to, more than once. Um, we do enough eye shows for all 4,000 guests. We do enough production shows. And the theater does two showings of each show a night, and that has enough room for that many people as well. Um, I think uh, the, the food the food is great. I know um, the food's included, and there's you know the buffet and the windjammer and the dining room, which is amazing. But what they do really well here are the specialty restaurants. Ooh, are okay. They have an amazing steakhouse upstairs with that overlooks an amazing sushi restaurant that overlooks, um, that's on deck 14, amazing views of the, of the harbor. Um, and, of course, Giovanni's. I love great Italian. I worked in an Italian restaurant for seven years. I managed it. <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit partial. I love to cook Mediterranean food. Um, I think that, I think, you know, if you're going to splurge, you know, definitely splurge, splurge on the food. Um, I, you're on holidays. I, you're on holidays. Absolutely. Enjoy. Enjoy. Speaking of enjoying the risk of this coming out the wrong way, I heard that uh, that that your your love is on board as well. Yes. Yeah. My girlfriend of two years uh, is on board here with me. Uh, we're just about to finish up our contract. We've had the entire contract together. She is a dancer singer. Um, she'll be auditioning for uh, uh, Grease and o and Cats and uh, Hairspray on the Oasis class ships. So that'll probably be where I go next. So that's what you do. You 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 move around the different ships, do you? Yes. Um, sometimes people come back here. I've, I have a a couple in my cast that uh, they're a pair team and they've done this ship before. Um, I I like to do different ships. Mm -hmm. I like to do different mm -hmm. shows. But if, you know, none of us ever are picky. You know, I mean, we're we're. I don't want to be too picky of saying, I want this. You know, we're, we already have a great job. I mean, you know, we don't want to uh, get too... Strangely, that's what the captain said as well. He said he's not he's not too picky as well. I, I gather you, you find something you love, Absolutely, as you mentioned yeah. before. Um, I love the godmother of this particular ship. Tell us a little bit about the godmother. Uh, that's Katerina Witt, yes, um, Olympic champion. Um, Battle of the Carmen's 88. She <laughs> beat, um, of course, you know, Debbie Thomas. But, you know, she's an unbelievable skater. I mean, she it's, it's really funny to see that um, she's here because actually one of our uh, skaters is Austrian and she's German. But, uh, it's the, you know, it's just someone you look up to when you're, when you're um, growing up in that area of the world. And, I mean, she's it's one of the you know, most uh, revered skaters of our time. And uh, it's pretty cool to have uh, her picture hanging up over there. Perfect alignment. I have to finally ask Michael, do you think this is your 
your dream job? Well, I think this is uh, right now one of my dream jobs. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, I can't do this forever. Uh, at some point, you know, maybe I won't want to perform anymore, or maybe I, I just my body's just and I get a bit older, and I I just can't do all the tricks anymore. But um, I do want to stay in the production side of ice shows. I really I really enjoy creating and choreographing and. What's nice is being sort of promoted into this position. I have a bit more grasp of what goes into it, the backstage, the behind the scenes. Because without the behind the scenes, without the production manager, the light, the sound, the ice, weren't useless. Mm. So that's something I've really gotten to see firsthand. And I would love to sort of go into maybe um, uh, after this, maybe going to sort of the creation process of ice shows. And with that, um, like I said before, entertainment is always going to be needed. So I think the more I learn now, and I'm learning, you know, by doing, but I, the more I the more I can learn now, I think it'll only just make um, my dream job more uh, reachable. Well, Michael Chow, it's been a delight to chat to my very first ice captain. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. While you're listening, why not add some travel to your inbox? Sign up for my weekly travel updates at journeystocome.com. We're on board Royal Caribbean's Voyager of the Seas and I'm meeting someone with a job title that I've got to get my head around. It's the first time I've met, uh, is it an on-board meteorologist? How do I explain, James Van Fleet, what you do? A meteorologist for all of the cruise lines that are Royal Caribbean and then the sister companies underneath, so Celebrity, Azamara, Pullman Tour. Um, I'm on board sometimes, visiting a lot of our ships, but usually, more times than not, I'm based in Miami at our corporate headquarters and watching the entire fleet around the world and helping advise our officers if their plan is a good one and stay with it, or do we need to make some adjustments? Is there a weather system that maybe they're not aware of four or five days down the road? So it's tracking the whole fleet and advising both corporate and our officers of where to go and what's safe to voyage. So this is a major responsibility for you. It's huge. Um, it, coming from a world that's tornadoes and hurricanes and doing TV weather for 23 years, that's what I love is when the pressure's on. And so a job like this. Are you a tornado chaser? That's where I started. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm from Oklahoma, born and raised, hard of Tornado Alley, and then moved to Florida. So it was hurricanes after that. But yeah, that explains the boots. I've got a lot of weird looks here. <laughs> In Miami, I get them too. But <laughs> yeah, right. So you're you're from the states. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. They're lovely boots, by the way. What's the story to them? Uh, I'm from Oklahoma, and I wear boots. <laughs> That's what I wear. Okay. Something that I think is interesting in regards to to having somebody in your role focused on the weather. It's interesting because let's face it, with cruising, it's all about the weather. We're yeah. driven by the weather gods. And I think that. What I'm seeing in the short time I've been with Royal is that there are actually so many areas that you can touch that adds value to the guests, to the officers, to the ship, financially as well, which is at the end of the day, it is a business, um, that we're still figuring those things out where we can help in the way of advising, whether it's our guests that, hey, you know, you're going on this cruise, most of the week looks fantastic, but this one port... I'm expecting it to be a lot of storms and rain, so maybe you want to have a plan B. Maybe you make that a shopping day, or maybe you do this instead because we know it will rain, and we want you to get the most out of your vacation. So it started with just keep the ships away from big storms, but I think it's evolved in a short amount of time to be able to advise more than just the bridge, the hotel, the engineers, 
guest and as well back home. Let's talk about that guest experience yeah. because you have found that a lot of guests want to chat to you about yeah. the course, the weather, where we're going, what we're doing, why have we made that decision. Yeah. What is that like for the guests to be able to have that touchstone? Um, I think it... They really feel connected and and trust what we're saying because you're getting somebody from corporate or somebody from Miami saying, we're aware of that change and here's why we're making it. Uh, so I think it also keeps the normal human tendency, I think, is to it question. Yes, and, and so they feel more connected and trust more what they're being told and why the decisions are being made. I don't, other than just the human nature of curiosity and doubting what people tell them, uh, a lot of my captains have told me that they would be questioned or second-guessed when a port was canceled or an itinerary yes. change was made. But when a second voice comes in and says, we know and here's why and this is the reason, and they get maybe a little more explanation that a captain talking to a whole ship may not be able to do, that's backing them up really helps reduce the anxiety and I think makes them feel more comfortable while they're on the cruise. How do you feel about the sort of guests that feels like you are responsible for the weather? I know that I've been on trips where people are almost disappointed that they've had bad weather as though the captain had a direct line <laughs> to the weather <laughs> gods. Yeah. It's almost surreal that some guests have um, this belief that well, you're in charge of it. Yes and no. Um, I mean, I get it, and, and I think that's – we as a company have to approach this every day. We're, we're fortunate enough to travel the world and get on any ship and go anywhere we want at any time. You know, I lived not too long ago in that world where you get two weeks or you get a month. That's it. And so you do. You want to make the most out of it. So if you're expecting sunshine or you're expecting a beach and it's fog or it's raining, I mean, that's a – that's a day you can't get back, and it's extremely valuable. I think the most valuable days of your year are those vacation days and holiday where you can just get out of work and just take a breath and invest in you again. So it is important, and I can understand the disappointment, but being able to explain that and talk a little bit more to any guest that wants to know I think helps them feel like, okay, somebody's watching us, they understand what we're going through, and they're interested in helping us find a solution. What's an average day like for you? What are your logistics like? You There's, have no idea. <laughs> well, there is, there is no one day that's normal. Yes. Um, You're it, here in Australia. Yeah, and I was in Spain and France a week ago and in Miami in between. And it, it's, it's amazing, but there, I, it's hard to lay out a single day because no one day has been like another. God, I mean, honestly, different seasons, different locations. Uh, it's just, I don't know. It, that's hard to explain because there is no typical day. So when you are working and you are, you're forecasting, yeah. what, what sort of things are you working with? What technology are you working with? Uh, well, I, I travel with several computers that I can upload our navigation. I can literally, what's, what's crazy about technology, I can track our entire fleet on my phone. So with just an app and just pushing a button, I can go anywhere in the world and see where our ships are and what their voyage plan is. So I can make it an elaborate like weather center with multiple computers that I'm keeping an eye on. Or if I'm traveling and I just need a fast look at what's going on, I'll, just, I'll pull up and make sure everybody's where I'm expecting them to be. And also then I'll go into weather apps that I'm tracking data, computer models as they come out and making sure everything's going the way I'm expecting it to. That's huge for you to get your head around. I feel the need to ask you this question about the Titanic. 
All right. If only the Titanic had had somebody like you, how could you have saved the Titanic? I just, I was looking at your job and I thought, oh, if only James was there. You want to know uh, an odd bit of facts? Uh, My birthday is actually the day the Titanic sank. You cannot make that up. God's honest truth. Um, I don't know that okay, I could there's have one done other thing. The there's ship. one other thing that I have to yeah, mention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your surname. Yes. Fleet. <laughs> okay, so coming you're, from... You're born for this. I, I think I was. But the funny thing is I never even thought about it because I'm coming from the weather world, not the Mariner's world. But every ship I went to, they started asking if that was my real name. I honestly think that the manager... They thought the managers in Miami were like messing with them. Like, uh, yeah, here's a weather guy, and his name is Fleet. <laughs> so, but no, it's actual name. I thought that was hysterical when I asked you um, when we first met. I went, wow, what about your name? And you went, it's Dutch. <laughs> I went, what? what? <laughs> Fleet, I mean, Fleet, yeah. you're on board a ship. Did you have any idea the task you were taking on, the job you were taking on when you signed up for this? I kind of did. Uh, when I interviewed with them, they had interviewed a lot of meteorologists, uh, but I think they were looking for somebody to bring to them what the job could be because it hasn't been a job that's existed before. So I think a lot of our guys were looking for what would you do with the job? And I, honestly, I, just, I brought a ton of ideas just sitting there thinking, well, you could do this, you could do this, you could do this. So I think it was just the um, opportunities that they saw as to why it worked. But do you miss TV? No, uh, I, and I have got that question a lot. I, I think those of us that have done it day to day to day do when they change industries, but because I still do TV just in different forms, mm. it's been great. And I've done, yeah, I've done a ton of the shifts. Uh, I love the evening shift in TV. I was never a morning person, so being in a suit at 3 a.m. hurt. <laughs> it was not me, so I don't miss that at all. Do you have a love of travel? I mean, I know you've just, yes. Okay. Oh, God, yeah. Because so many years I didn't get to. In the weather job in a market like a a Tampa or a Miami or a Dallas, if there's going to be any weather, your bosses want you to not travel, cancel your vacation, and you're essentially responsible for that time. And so I had grown so accustomed that, one of our counties somewhere was going to have something that uh, there were a lot of vacations canceled or come back early to cover the weather. So here they encourage you. They want you to get out, meet with the ships, meet with the officers. And so it's part of the job description. Not that I'm complaining. Do you have a favorite journey? Um, not yet. Uh, just uh, everywhere I've gone has been just wonderful. I mean, in a year's time to, to get to see the places I, I never would have had that if I stayed with the television job. What do you always pack when you travel? So I learned from our CEO, never check a bag. And it, I'm, oh, I'm on a flight with right. Bailey going to, um, right. we were going, I think, to the President's Cruise uh, last year. And we're walking down together to customs. I'm like, you have a bag to pick up? And he's like, no, never check a bag. Sure enough, five minutes later, I get down there and British Airways has lost my bag. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> There was no way to get that to me. The ship was leaving in a couple hours. So where a normal person would be like, oh, what hotel are you staying at? We'll bring it to you. I'm like, I'm going in the med, so it's gone. Mm-hmm. Now, I waited an hour. There was another British Airways flight coming from London, and it was on that flight. So I think they were just loaded with too much weight. But, yeah, so I pack basically solids, 
patterns date you. Patterns say what time of year it is or uh, what year it is. This so, is old style TV oh, tips God, here. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So just solids and I think I, you literally have to justify everything that's going in your suitcase, your backpack. And through a lot of trial and error, I, I've gotten it down. In fact, I will say this is the only trip I've checked a bag in probably eight or nine months just because of the all the places I'm going and the time that I'm gone, there was no other way to do it. Um, I'm China next, Hong Kong, Shanghai, then Japan, and then back home. Can you believe this gig? Oh, is it? Don't tell them. I, I'd do it for free, but don't. Uh. <laughs> well, James, thank you so much for having a chat to us. It's definitely an unusual job. Thank you for your time. It is. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Journeys to Come. If you want any more information on the places that we visited or the people we spoke to, then visit our website, journeystocome.com, for full details.